Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Coco. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. I'm joined, as always, by managing editor Andrew Keats. Hello. What up? <laughs> Nothing. Fellow managing editor Andrea Lopez Villafania. What's up, Lopez? What's up, Lewis? Coming up on the show this week, it is mailer season. Yes, mail-in ballots went out, and so that means that political mailers are coming in, and they want to sway voters Sometimes they're just good content. We're going to talk about a few of them, especially in the race for Chula Vista mayor, what the residents there say they want in new leadership, according to our Lopez, who went and talked to them. That race is one of the biggest on the local primary ballot, but it is rivaled by the first open contest for sheriff in decades. We'll break down the candidates in that race, their backgrounds, and a bit of history for that very important position in the region. And finally, Mayor Todd Gloria says there was a big misunderstanding after the Housing Commission freaked out that he was cutting some homeless housing aid. Nope, not doing that. You heard me wrong. We'll break down that kerfuffle and we'll explain what's going on. That and more coming up. Stay with us. But first, so you guys know I like to explain things, right? What? Yeah, it's a thing I enjoy. So before I had kids, I thought <laughs> about it all the time, that they would grow up and, you know, by the time they could start understanding things that they would love to walk through the meadow with me while I explained things like black holes and stock markets and batteries and just, you know, I had a, I, I would drive places for like a half hour and I would just explain in my head to my future kid you know all these things about life and how beautiful it is and the you, vast expanse you, of the universe do you recognize what a, a ugly portrayal of yourself this is oh, I, I, it's fine <laughs> a lot of comedy is in that okay, right yeah so i 
pregnant with meaning, all of this. (laughs) (laughs) What I didn't anticipate at all, Uh and I don't know why. I know I was a kid once. I didn't anticipate that my kids would see it as absolutely intolerable. Like Like they would rather, I don't know, sit in church or something. They do not want what I got. Mm-hmm. as far as information and wisdom. They don't want a part of it. And in fact, the moment I start, sometimes my son will just yell at me, don't, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> don't explain anything. I know, I know, I know. That's a big thing. So it it has become an act of a, a, like a, a currency in our house that if they want something, I'll say, well, you have to listen to me explain something. Oh, God. <laughs> That is the giant lead into. We are having a live podcast June 9th in Chula Vista at Novo Brazil Brewing. Come get the full stuff right in person. We'll have more guests and I will limit the things I say. We'll put a dial on it, yeah. put a mute button on it. We're really excited for it. It's our first live podcast. Remember the live po- last live podcast we tried to do before the pandemic didn't come together very well because of the novel coronavirus yeah i'll never i'll never forget how hasty that decision felt at the time yeah we're like whoa are we we overreacting are we taking ourselves awfully seriously huh that (laughs) that this this very rare virus is going to be at our event Mm -hmm. turns out turns out having that event would have been considered like an awful super spreader yeah it's not great yeah VOSD.org slash events. That's where you can get information on that. And we'll be talking about Chula Vista's uh, politics after the primary election. What's to come? There's going to be a lot still to discuss. We'd, uh, we'd like to establish how many fans and all that we have out there. We'd like to build a little community about that. So our Lopez here wanted to suggest an idea. Yeah, because I think that, you know, every great superstar should have a fan club. <laughs> and since we are the well, can, best I can feel the affairs, humility in this studio today. <laughs> <laughs> since, since we, uh, Voice of San Diego, this is the most popular public affairs podcast. In Recorded in this part of the yeah. 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 Like we, our fans should have a cool name. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think these are the coolest names. No, these aren't good. These, oh, I, fact, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard. Fact, I haven't heard or seen these yet. Okay. In I'm fact, excited. if you read these, it are cool. Fact, like we might lose fans. <laughs> might lose. Okay, Nate came up with these, and I came okay. up with the last one. So. All right. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not reading them. I'm not doing it. Voice heads. <laughs> Pod heads. Pod heads. Pod people. Voices. <laughs> That's my favorite are, one. You, got, you guys oversold how bad this is. This is these are fine. These are they all are? pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like voices. Yeah. Voices. Voices. Palm fans? Could we do like. No. No. Palm haters. I got the beehive. Like the. Ooh. The beehive. Yeah. Because we're the Beyonce's of public affairs Basically. podcasting. Um, this one's just for me. Lopezians for my fans. See, I, that's what I was suggesting. Chismosos, like just yeah, Andy heads for the Andy fans. <laughs> Andy's okay. Keatsians. Keatsians. Politibros. <laughs> Politibros. Politibros. Mm. Voicers. 
Mm. Okay, not good. That sounds communist. Well, <laughs> if anyone has any like ideas, Politburo. better than our yeah, ideas. The point of this segment is that we are terrible at this. Maybe some of you identify in some way. We can pull that together, make some t-shirts, send them out, and you guys can walk around town with some pride. Uh, send your ideas to um, at VOSD Scott on Twitter or at, what's yours? It's Andrea Lopez Phil. Got it. V-I-L. And, uh, or you can send me an email at scott at voiceofsandiego.org. There's, uh, what, five major candidates for mayor in Chula Vista, right? Mm -hmm. You've got uh, Mark Campanajar, ran for Congress a little bit. You've got Rudy Ramirez, former city councilman. You've got current city council members, Jill Galvez and John McCann. And then you have Zanita Encarnacion, who wants to be a politician now. So we're getting a lot of these, these mailers are flooding the homes of Chula Vista voters and one of them was from Jill Galvez, and it touted her support of police, right? But she actually didn't get the police endorsement as far as their, their union, but she still wanted it and wanted to support them. But there was a little bit of a flaw in the mailer. <laughs> Just a tiny, 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 tiny bit. <laughs> so uh, shout out to my homie, Andrew Dyer. Uh, he lives in Chula Vista, and he was sharing some of these mailers that he got with me and he noticed that that photo for that mailer that the cop car looked weird like it didn't look like the Chula Vista ones he sees every day in his community um and so he tweeted it out and he's like this kind of looks like an LAPD photo like stock photo and um so then Sam <laughs> fact checks checks it sam hudson at yeah. ut yeah and he was like yeah here's the link for the shutterstock image and it's like an lapd um car i think if i was ever running for office i would be fastidious about those things like you don't want and you don't want ever to be caught just pulling a stock photo that's wrong like or or running like an anti-nuclear power ad with like a smokestack from a coal power plant or something like that you just don't want to do that I think, yeah, I mean, I think they, they like, they message test the the language so much that they are actually unfocused on the details often. Right. You know? Like, you got to get the little things right, too. Yeah. yeah. There was another one that caught our eyes. So, this uh, La Prinza wrote about this. This was Amar Campanajar sent out an e a mailer to folks, and it shows him holding a couple little kids next to a woman. Any kind of normal look at that photo would think that he's implying that's his immediate family mm -hmm. but it wasn't no it, his website says that those are his godchildren Got it. um but the article you know was saying that this was misleading making it seem like they were his children um so some of i think one of those photos is gone from his website now yeah i mean when it, this was described to me verbally i was like oh i mean Maybe he really cares about those godchildren. I don't know. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh no!" Obviously, any reasonable person would assume that that's his family. It's like, like it's it's the classic politician with his family shot. Everything about it is the politician with his family, and that's not. It, those aren't his kids. He's not married to that woman to anyone, and those aren't his kids. The, I think this gets to the heart of one of the things 
I think about a lot. Like there, the political consultants have figured out these sort of smaller races to such a scientist science that they 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 know what levers to pull to reach what numbers they have to reach to be as game theory efficient as possible to win these elections. Yeah, and that it so rarely has anything to do with what people are actually concerned about in those districts. It's just what will trigger whatever response that gets them to vote against or for a person. And so family images or police images, all these things that they're just trying to fire in your brain. Remember that, uh, Lori Zaff in the, in the kayak? Yes. Right. <laughs> what? Hundreds of pictures on, on different mailers of Lori Zaff picking up trash in a kayak. It's just like coastal district, caring for the water, pro-environment. Like it says it all. Mm-hmm. Whatever words you put on it, whatever campaign narratives are being written about in the Voice of San Diego or Union Tribune are going to be less salient than, but I saw a picture of her in a kayak, <laughs> you know, picking up a piece of trash out of the San Diego River. Yeah. So I think that contrasts with what you did, which is yeah. go down to Chula Vista, spend some time with people there and ask them what they were actually worried about, what they were actually thinking about. And what would you say your message you got back was? That they're tired of the same old... You can say crap. Yeah, they're tired of the same old crap. Um, you know, that they've there's so many things that they've waited for and heard about for years. Um but they're still in the same place. Like they still see their city as a city that people just drive past. It's a sleepy town. They don't have all these resources. They don't have police. Uh, They have like infrastructure needs and nothing's getting fixed, but people continue talking about the same thing. So I just sensed a lot of frustration from community members. Just kind of like, ah, like these people, like they say, and they're all politicians, but like who's actually going to get the job done? Well, even I feel it. The, in the 18 years I've watched Chula Vista politics, it's always the same conversation. Like, boy, we should get a university here. We should develop the Bayfront. We should build things that people want to stay in our city for rather than take their money to San Diego. Sounds like they're still talking about the same points. Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, even like one of the forums I went to, um, it was like, what are the biggest challenges facing the city? You know, and most of the candidates wrote off all these things that people have already heard. And Amar made note of that. And I included that in my story. But he made note of how, like, the second someone mentioned the university, he was like, I can see all your eyes glaze over. And yeah, like you could feel the energy in the room. Like people are kind of like, oh, great. Like they're talking about the same thing they always talk about. <laughs> yeah. Like they set aside land 20 years ago to build a university mm-hmm. and it's still set aside. Mm hmm. <laughs> it's still set aside. So I don't know. I mean, I I spoke to like if everybody's so if everybody in government is sick and tired of that so much, you could sell it. You could sell it. You yeah, could develop it. Build things on. Build it. something on it. Yeah, lease it. I mean, I in in the course I mean, maybe long term, it's a smart decision to say the university would be the 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 best long term investment. I don't I don't know. Well, if a university is there for like three hundred years, they're not going to care that it was ten years, ten years, or delayed. twenty years yeah. delayed or whatever. Right. I guess that's part of the the thinking and. Great. But I, I think I think part of the university discussion is that there is a there is an angst that keeps getting put into that world of like there's we need a university mm-hmm. and never it, there's never another step. There's mm-hmm. never another 
we can't just bottle up all of our ambition into something like that over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again and nothing ever change. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I, I picked up on from this too is that there's a lot of talk about the number of police officers, the number of firefighters, how well they're paid and retained and recruited. Did you get any clarity on on that? Because they did raise taxes in a pretty notorious campaign a few years ago to raise taxes for specifically police and firefighters. Was there is there just an underlying concern that those promise, promises were never delivered on? Yeah, and I th- I don't think like any of them directly address it. They they do say like oh we you know hired this many police officers and it's not a lot. Um, and then still talk about like, but we have a lot of challenges. So it's it really feels like everyone's just kind of like glazing over that fact that they passed that, but like haven't actually hired as many police officers as maybe they had hoped they would. And again, another thing that keeps happening, like they tried to raise taxes in 2010 in the city of San Diego and said, if you don't, you're gonna we're gonna lose all mm-hmm. these police officers. Everything there's gonna be crime. It's gonna be a mess. Sales tax didn't increase. Those laughs didn't happen. And the city that had said that they were going to happen backtracked on that claim like almost immediately, yeah. <laughs> like within like a few months of the election had had acknowledged, oh, we figured something else out. Yeah. So this is the opposite. The tax did go through. There wasn't a significant increase in hiring and they're back talking about it. And yeah. it's like, I mean, you got to like, it's poisoning the well, you know, these, these false promises happen so Great much. Scar I'm tissue. Sorry, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like voters remember that stuff, you know? It's, why is it so hard? And like you can show all the charts you want about government being underfunded. People remember these things. I think what's really also interesting about the race is how evenly matched all these candidates are, right? So we did mm-hmm. a, a survey of all their money that they've raised. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, Amar Kampanajar and Zanita Incarnacion have raised the most money, but not that much more than the other candidates. And they've spent a lot of it, so they don't have as much saved up to spend now. And so I think it's really interesting that this city has now four or five candidates who could who could make it through this primary. And I'm not exactly sure what combo it would be. It seems like it could be any one of them. That's how it felt. Like I, I was telling Andy when I was reporting the story, I was like, I can't really get a sense. Like everybody I've spoken to, I, I would just speak to people like on the street or I went to a couple of events, I went to a couple of restaurants and I couldn't get a sense of it. Like everywhere you drive around Chula Vista, you see all kinds of signs for all of them. Like, you know, it's, I I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Well, I think as we've reminded folks, this is an interesting race, not just for Chula Vista and the future of Chula Vista, but also for the region, depending on who they pick, that person will sit on the San Diego Association of Governments and have a big vote, big weighted vote on what kinds of priorities we should have for transit and other um Regional priorities, right? They're likely to sit on the Metropolitan Transit System Board mm-hmm. as well. And that agency is expected to come back with a tax measure potentially in a few years. Uh, they could sit on the uh, Water Authority. I mean, you know, like the 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 local elected officials sit on all manner of elected bodies. And if you look at, you know, people, who the Chula Vista City Council right now, uh, Steve Padilla is chair of the California Coastal Commission. You know, like... Is, uh, these these elected officials <laughs> have sort of roles in all these other levels of government that people don't pay that close attention to or realize that they're voting for when they vote in their local elections. So we, we've talked about San Diego specials. So mm-hmm. is the university in Chula Vista a Chula Vista <laughs> special? I would say so. And then 
other Chula Vista special was the development of the Bayfront, mm-hmm. the convention center and Gaylord facility and all the redevelopment they were going to do on the west or east, west side of Chula Vista. Mm-hmm. That's actually a, a Chula Vista special that's been resolved, sounds like. Yeah. There's going forward. Mm-hmm. All right. You can check out Andrea's story and all of our reporting on the 2022 election at VOSD.org slash 2022. Uh, that's VOSD.org slash 2022. So at the uh, San Diego Housing Commission, we've explained before, this is the board that oversees the city's quasi-independent nonprofit focused on housing needs and sort of the, the place where all the federal housing funds go to support low-income housing and such in San Diego. It is overseen by a board, but it's also overseen by the city council, which calls itself the housing authority. Anyway, the one that's the board that oversees it had some really sharp things to say about the city of San Diego and the mayor. The chairwoman, Stephanie Benvenuto, been a guest on this show before. She said, I am dismayed by the direction that this is indicating Mitch Mitchell said, you're winding down something at a time that the exact opposite should be happening. He's a full disclosure member of our board. Uh, There's a lot of these comments. They were talking about programs to fund homeless housing options. Like basically a series of programs, like three different programs that each have more or less the same deal, which is there's a homeless person. They enter into the homeless services system in one way or another typically a shelter um you that that's a moment where the whole apparatus snaps together and tries to put them into a long-term housing solution some sort of housing solution rapid rehousing and the worry was that that was being killed Mm -hmm. and then in favor of more spending on shelter okay and then the mayor said no 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 you heard me wrong is that the summary that's basically the summary. This all ha- well, but he didn't say that at that meeting. Right at that meeting, there was this atypical level of candor and dissatisfaction from the board. I mean, you you could listen to a lot of San Diego Housing Commission board meetings and be bored to tears and not hear anything amounting to genuine disagreement. It's not usually how it happens at these places. Uh, this was not settled at that board hearing. It was settled when Lisa Halverstadt began writing about that board hearing and the mayor's office assured her that there was a miscommunication afoot. Wow. So this thing happened that this bothered a lot of these folks. We start to call people and ask them, were they really dialing back funding for these programs and in favor of shelter funding? The mayor's office takes the call and says, no, 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 no. Do you believe that? Well, he's saying now, uh, the, basically the two ways to view it are they were serious and they're backtracking. The other is that there was some sort of miscommunication. The miscommunication that he's asserted is that they thought that they had some other pots of money that were more flexible and that they could use those more flexible pots of money to continue funding these programs and it was just the specific types of money they were dealing with at that hearing that they wanted to fund with this other stuff instead. If you were not apt to believe that description, you, what you could point to as evidence is that earlier last week at a budget hearing um, with the, on, in front of the city council, 
City Councilwoman Monica Montgomery Stepp had very similar complaints, and she asked um, Hafsa Kaka, who's the chair of the, or excuse me, the czar of homeless services within the city, um, like why the city seemed to be cutting this rapid rehousing funding. And Kaka did not say, oh, no, 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 don't worry. We think there's some more flexible source of money out there that we can move things around and, you know, money's uh, fungible and don't give me, don't, don't worry. Everything's going to be funded. What she said instead was quite different. She said, quote, we have had to look at our strategy of prior prioritization. And as mentioned earlier, the coordinated outreach is really, that's the first touch to help the unsheltered folks. So part of that is inclusive of family reunification where folks could get connected back, which essentially folks could also get connected to rapid rehousing. The two greatest prioritizations that we have right now is the coordinated outreach as well as the shelters. So folks have an immediate place to go somewhere, but we could certainly circle back and get you more information around that. So all that is what I hear her saying that we're changing priorities. We need to get people into shelters so that they can get connected to services faster. Yeah. And, and that's why we're going to cut or prioritize that over other things. That to me is the plain reading of what she has said, Mm -hmm. that she's explaining that we believe that making that first connection to people on the streets, which typically means getting them into shelters is more important. And we are reprioritizing dollars in that way. So when the housing commission reacts to that, it sounds like they are interpreting it the same way and saying, I don't like this That's reprioritization not what we want. And the mayor's office is saying there's been a big miscommunication. Now, perhaps that big miscommunication included the person who's in charge of homelessness services under his administration. Um, or perhaps she didn't communicate clearly and w- there's a misreading here. But to me, that's the plain reading of what she said to chair to uh, councilwoman Monica Montgomery step. Can I, can we put this into a, a little bit larger bucket? What are they doing? Like yeah. what's, what is the, if you could, if you, if you grabbed the mayor yeah. and said just in 30 seconds or three minutes, take three minutes if you want. Yeah. Tell me what the plan is for homelessness in San Diego. Do you think he would be able to say something you could go and share with somebody else in a, you know, you would understand that clearly? No. I don't think so. And I've I never this, been given any impression that that. Now, I, I think they're doing things that they think are good. Sure. And I think there's probably good support for those ideas in the, you know, the best practices world of homeless services. And that they may be part of some sort of big picture solution. But I, I cannot for the life of me think of like, what's the plan here? What's the story? What's the big picture perspective? What are we trying to do? What's what's the goal and and do we have any sense of how well it's working or when it's going to work? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't. And it feels like this sort of thing is the product of that. Yeah, we have these. We have little debates down down here about you know the 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 best way to spend a marginal dollar within the 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 sort of attenuated world that we've created here. Uh, about about this this mess of programs, but that, you know, like ultimately, that's you know that's what what color paint to put on the house, you know. Well, so 
this all goes into this future of the housing commission discussion. I think one of the smartest things that the former CEO said on his way out as he was kind of being driven from that job as the leader of the housing commission, what he said is like, I think you guys need to have a clearer idea of what you want this organization to do. Mm -hmm. And until you do that, you shouldn't try to hire a CEO to replace me. You should figure that out and then hire the CEO to pull that off. Do you get the sense that they're doing that, that they are hashing out how they want this all to work and then going to hire somebody to pull it off? I don't I don't know that I would say that that conversation has happened in like a public way if that's happening that might be happening in a private way and you know maybe this sort of this you know dispute that happened at the housing commission last week is some sort of uh, byproduct of that but of, of course also this dispute at the housing commission last week I'm I'm told is was a miscommunication so if it's not a very forthright debate if this is a debate that's being that's being that's taking place about the future of the commission also you didn't understand me is like one of the most insulting things you can tell somebody who's disagreeing with you right is it better if you say there is a misunderstanding yeah maybe the passive voice help yeah yeah <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to break down one of the biggest races this year, County Sheriff. Stay with us. Join culture creator Remel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. For the first time in decades, the San Diego Sheriff's Race is an open contest for at least 50 years. Republicans have dominated this position, one of the most influential in the county, one of the only few countywide elected spots, right? There's the county sheriff, the DA, the assessor, recorder clerk, the assessor, recorder clerk, (laughs) county clerk, and the treasurer tax collector, obviously, Mm -hmm. wouldn't want that to be appointed. No. Going to need an independent representative of that effort. Mm Mm-hmm. The sheriff is one of the few countywide elected spots, and there is a interesting contest going on right now, and it's possible that a Democrat might win that seat. Now, when two Democrats and one independent were running, it was the first time we thought of that a, definitely a Republican wasn't going to win. But now there's a, a Republican, John Hemmerling, decided to go back to the Republican Party, got the Republican Party endorsement, and now he represents that. He's a prosecutor within the San Diego City Attorney's Office. He's the leader of the criminal division there. 
Dave Myers, former commander, retired commander at the Sheriff's Department, um, deputy for a long time there. He has the support, the endorsement of the Democratic Party. And then under Sheriff Kelly Martinez, just became a Democrat last year. And she has the support of a lot of high-profile Democrats and the deputies' union. Let me say something about the uh, party endorsement real quick. Yeah. Uh, we've made this point hundreds of times on this show, but I don't think we've made it this election cycle. So okay, let's just go. reiterate it again. Yeah, I'm not a fan of rep- repeating my explanation. Uh, endorsements are often regarded as like, well, what's the importance of an endorsement? Uh, you, you list it on your website. It give, maybe it gives a somebody who's a, a really wants to be an informed voter. They seek out some sort of list of endorsements to get a sense of who you are based on who supports you. Sure, that that's an important role role of endorsements but the party endorsement specifically is much more important for one specific reason which is it unlocks the ability for the party to exceed campaign spending limits by communicating to party members who the endorsed candidates are so individual campaigns have pretty strict pretty low campaign uh funding restrictions on individual donors makes it very hard to raise a lot of money mm-hmm. but a party can collect donations from people far in excess of that amount who can then say who can essentially tell the party that they'd like it to be spent in favor of one candidate and the only restriction is that party has to send it to democrats specifically they can't send it to any number of un you know known addresses because it's a first amendment rule that this is a a group of people they've opted in you can't tell that group how and when they can talk to their membership so they're allowed to communicate to their members in ways that other candidates are not allowed to talk to the general public and it's not like an independent expenditure where the candidate can't tell them what to do or talk to them about what they're doing the candidate can fully strategize around the idea that that party is going to take care of its members and communicate to them, and then he or she can focus on the rest of the region. Mm -hmm. And that's a really powerful advantage to have, to be able to know that Democrats are being communicated to effectively with unlimited potential resources if a candidate a door knocking op- a party door knocking operation could right. target could could be used this way mail pieces um, and also it's not strictly true that those are only going to be seen by right. party members because if you live in a household with the party member that mail piece is going to come to your house as well so mixed mixed households we remember when Lorena Gonzalez was uh, an assemblywoman and she had a tremendous war chest built up of her own um, political donations. Her husband, Nathan Fletcher, was running for county supervisor. She donated several hundred thousand dollars to the party, and the party spent several hundred thousand dollars helping him get elected. And that's how powerful this system can be. So that's a great point. So John Hemmerling benefits on the Republican side from that, Mm -hmm. and Dave Myers benefits from the Democratic side on that. And Kelly Martinez, the number two at the sheriff's office, who got the support of Nathan Fletcher and a bunch of county supervisors and a bunch of other people like Mayor Todd Gloria, she does not just have a few that. Day, just a few days after most people in San Diego County learned her name. No, it was the exact same time. Yeah, the, exactly. the, the release went out the same moment. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's who's running." Okay, uh, and then and I, I, you know, I don't think much of a leap to say that was an attempt to 
cut off the possibility that another Democrat would get the official party endorsement. Right. Didn't work. Did not work. So so our Jesse Marks did a piece this week. So you, you helped edit it there, Andrea. What did you pull away from what he learned? Well, I thought um, it was interesting that this is the first competitive race in a long time. And so what I took from that is that this not only is it possible that we'll have a Democratic sheriff, you know, um, or a sheriff who's a Democrat, but also it's not someone who has been handed down the job. We've talked about that before where usually someone retires early, like wink, wink, this is going to be the next person uh, by being, um, you know, someone who steps in and becomes interim sheriff. It's not even a wink, wink. Sometimes. It's just <laughs> straight it's just, up. <laughs> it's just... You're going to be sheriff and everybody's going to deal with it and give you a consent <laughs> vote. It's like, the, like the communist party, like thumbs up. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, often, it, more, most recently in the case of the district attorney's office, it was uh, really seen as an uncouth thing to acknowledge that that's what was going on. Yeah. 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 People, people went out of their way to pretend for some reason that that wasn't the case. Yeah. It's just uh, an independent decision to appoint her district attorney while she's running separate from her run. Right. Okay. We've been talking a lot about how a couple of them are Democrats. One of them was an independent now Republican. There's a Democrat possibility that 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 would take that seat, that one countywide elected seat. Shit. Three, two. All right. We've discussed a lot about the possibility that this is not only a contested race, but the chance that a Democrat could take that seat and how interesting that is. But I think it's worth remembering they are, they have all, all of them were Republican at one time and their, their own trajectory and, and path through that is kind of interesting. So Dave Myers, I remember getting to know Dave Myers way back in like 2006 and seven when he was on the pension board for the County, he was a deputy and he was their representative on the pension system. And he was not a fan of our coverage of that world of, of questioning authority in that point. I remember him being a very strong person on that. I remember you covering him uh, maybe 10 years later about police tactics, right? He was a uh, big leader in the discussion about sort of this predictive crime effort, right? Trying to figure out where crime would be and surging officers to those points. And does he say anything now about that sort of approach? He, I I mean, he is, has become, he became a a Democrat a few years ago Mm -hmm. and in recent years has become so associated with the criminal justice reform movement in town and Black Lives Matter specifically. Um, so I don't know that he talks specifically about uh, data-led policing or predictive pre- policing through algorithmic programs, which he led at, at, the, at the sheriff's department that we covered at the time. Stuff um, that is viewed very skeptically by, by the, the reform movement. Yes, exactly. And, but but he is beloved among that group of that, you know, that uh, faction of the Democratic Party. And 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 is the reason that he ended up with the endorsement because that faction of the Democratic Party is a big part of the voting block in their endorsement process. Yeah, Kelly Martinez is not talking at all about why she became a Democrat. We asked her at our own forum a few months ago, and she said it was just a personal decision. Uh, we don't know the circumstances around that. And then John Hemmerling also said it was just a personal decision, but he obviously made a decision a few months ago saying that 
this is the party I want to be identified with and I think that I can help them cast a different new vision for the communities. Uh, again, you can see all our write-ups on these races and the sheriff's race in particular, all of the reporting on the 2022 election at vosd.org 2022. That's vosd.org 2022. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in San Diego. Get the newsletter for this podcast at vosd.org newsletters. We'll get more detailed show notes, links to stories, and more. It comes out every week, just like this show. Again, that's Voice of San Diego podcast newsletter at vosd.org slash newsletters. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrea Lopez Villafaña is our managing editor. Andrew Keats is also managing editor. And Nate Johns, our producer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.